0: Welcome to The PorchCast, the podcast where we talk about being a creative business owner and all the crazy ups and downs that go along with that. I'm your host, Kristen Sweeting, and I can't wait to get started. Hi,
1: everybody.
0: I just got back this weekend from a little trip. I went on with my partner, Andrew. We decided we needed a little romantic getaway, so we went to Chattanooga for a couple days and... Um, went to the aquarium and drank some coffee and had a nice dinner, um, but one of the kind of funny things that happened over the weekend, and this is just really telling of what happens when you're an Enneagram 7 who's dating a Enneagram 3, is I kind of made a joke, and I was like, so, Andrew, what do you want to do next? And he's like, well, I don't know. Do you have any ideas? And um, I said, well, what if we just got matching tattoos totally as a joke, thinking he would just laugh and be like, oh, you're so funny, Kristen. Um, But he totally called my bluff and was like, yeah, we should definitely do that. And before you knew it, like I couldn't back down at that point. And before you knew it, we were in the tattoo parlor getting matching tattoos, um, real ones, not just temporary ones. So uh, lesson learned. Be careful. I need to be more careful what I suggest as a as an activity around uh, Andrew. But it made me just think about stuff with our businesses because I think so often, me included, um, I overthink every single little decision, everything I say on an inquiry phone call, everything I put in an email. And I tie my value to like how people respond to things so tightly that I just don't let myself have any fun. Um, and some and when we're able to kind of let go a little bit and be okay with doing something spontaneously, be okay with doing something kind of fun, um, it leaves room for some magical things to happen and just for us to take ourselves less seriously sometimes. Because at the end of the day, like now I have a tattoo on my arm it's not the worst thing that could have happened, and I have a great story from it, and I really like it. So um, anyway, not, that I'm not saying you should go out and get a tattoo unless you want to, but, um, but just that I think we need as an industry to be a little bit more okay with just letting ourselves have some fun with our businesses and not overthinking ourselves to death and um, making it such a stressful thing every step of the way. So... Um, Anyway, that's just a short little intro into what we're going to be talking about today, which I have my friend Melissa Shaw on the podcast. I'm so excited for her to be here. We're talking about mindfulness and yoga and some self-care that I think is going to be super helpful for anyone who's running a business, especially if you work from home and maybe are alone a lot or... Um, just tend to jump right into work when you get out of bed in the morning or um, whatever the case may be. Um, Melissa has some great insight on how to live a more mindful life and run a more mindful business. So I hope you really enjoy this interview. I know I did um, and can't wait to hear what you think about it. Um, make sure you're following us on Instagram Um, and feel free to tag me if you love this episode. I love seeing who is listening and, um, sharing your regramming your story. Uh, it's really, it's really fun just to start creating some community around the topics we're talking about. So thanks for being so engaging. Thanks to everyone who's done a little review that helps us out so much as well on iTunes. Um, so anyway, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this interview with Melissa Shaw. (laughs) Well, today I'm so excited to have my friend Melissa Shaw on my porch talking about yoga and mindfulness and I'm just so excited to hear her perspective on um, how to bring mindfulness into your business and into your daily practice. So um, Melissa, I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on my on my porch today. Um, Melissa, she uh, teaches individual yoga therapy, which I think is so cool. I can't wait to hear more about individual in person and online. Um, leads group and individual chanting classes, and is the program director for um, a nonprofit called Yoga Foster, um, where they help train educators and how to use yoga in the classroom. That's amazing! I'm so excited to hear more about that too. Um, and you also make ghee, right? Is that my saying? Right? I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. She walked in and brought these cookies, um, that she made with homemade ghee too. I'm so excited to try them. Um, well, Melissa, uh, if you're willing, I would love for you to just give me a little bit of an introduction on you and how you got started in yoga and, um, maybe tell us some background on you and,
1: um, your husband, Ani, and what brought you to Nashville and all those good things. Sure. Um, so thanks for having me. Yeah. So great. Um, I was really lucky to have parents that encouraged my sister and I to practice yoga at a really young age. It was sort of threaded in our lives, our daily activities. And then my mom started to send us to uh, classes after school that a family friend was teaching out of his house. And we would just go and practice for like one or two hours. um, And he would teach us. I know it was, it was really great in in hindsight. At the time, (laughs) it's just like another thing you feel like your parents are like making you do. Yeah. Even though like you always felt better after and it was definitely, it was definitely really useful at that age where I was like developing a lot of like insecurities about my body. And um, I didn't really feel like I had any genuine connections with friends at school. Um, And so you're just kind of like figuring out who you are at that age. And I don't think I actually really did, but yoga was a really helpful way to, um, it was kind of like a refuge and having something to go to where you could kind of explore your body and its abilities and I mean, learn how to control your breathing and things like that. But I actually grew up with asthma, and I was pretty sick as a kid. So my mom sort of got me into yoga pretty quickly and just kind of taught me what she knew that her mom had taught her and incorporated a lot of Ayurveda with us as well, which was so great. Um, That was, like, the main motivating factor for her to... Can you remind me what Ayurveda is? Ayurveda is um, literally called, like, the science of life Mm. uh, or, like... a and, and you really use Ayurveda as a way to live with the elements, and mm. so it's a way of like eating seasonally, changing your habits from season to season, and a, a really it's a really nice way to um, pair your yoga practice with. It's a it, yeah. they actually make a lot of sense together. You can teach yoga classes that are Ayurvedically centered, that have different kinds of energetic effects, and think Ayurveda. Um, for me has just been a growing interest because it's like one of those things where you once you know you kind of can't unknow and so Mm -hmm. um and so like once you know your tendencies and things about yourselves things about yourself like what kind of symptoms to look for when you're when you're out of balance and then you you feel really empowered to use these tools that the earth kind of gives you to circumvent some of that and help and help um, manage those symptoms and Yeah. From getting.
0: Can you give like an example? Cause I'm like fascinated by
1: this. Yeah. So one thing for, one thing for me that still makes me really sad is I, um, I really love smoothies. Mm -hmm. And so, (laughs) and my, my parents like were making smoothies like way before it was cool. And so, um, and so I would have smoothies for, for breakfast for like years, like all through grad school, um, and beyond. And when we moved to Nashville I was like, I would take pictures of all my beautiful smoothies and. Yeah. that's amazing. It was a, it was a great time. Um, and then I also was dealing with some anxiety that I sort of like recently identified as anxiety and some digestive stuff that had been kind of following me all throughout childhood and adulthood. And I had like used other, you know, techniques and other tools to help deal with some of that with Ayurveda. But, um, I started seeing an amazing Ayurveda practitioner a few years back and she basically was like, you need to stop having smoothies. And I was just like, and I was like, I mean, that makes no sense. It's basically fruits and vegetables and milk. That sounds so good for you. You are lying. I'm going to go. And she was just saying, um, she was just kind of saying like, these are all the things that you've told me that you're feeling. This is what a smoothie does to your system. This is how it's aggravating your anxiety and, um, your irregular digestion and, you know, list goes on and on won't get too deep into it and I just when she when she kind of framed it like that she's like what you are putting in your body has a direct effect on these things that you know most people like most people would not think of in our society like we don't really talk about that um and we're increasingly talking about that now I just said okay fine I'll you know I'll try to I'll try to stop and this is a time where my anxiety was like really really bad and so I was really kind of willing to do anything so I stopped having smoothies. When I say stop, I was still having it like once every couple of weeks, but I was not, it was not my morning breakfast anymore. And I switched to something that was actually warm, like a rice porridge or oatmeal or something. And I would just add some spices to it and a little bit of ghee or coconut oil. And I started to do that every day. And within two or three weeks, it's not like my anxiety, magic, my anxiety naturally, like magically went away. Um, but I would wake up feeling like fine. And I'm just like, it's almost like amazing. when you're so used to feeling a certain way for like a month or two, you wake up and you're like, "Like what? What's happening?" It's, it's, <laughs> it's like the bomb going to drop on me at some point. And that started to like that time frame that I would feel pretty good in the morning started to get longer each day. And um I was going to the bathroom more regularly and I wasn't I was having like stomach pains. And it was like something so simple. I mean, if you love smoothies, you know, it's not simple, <laughs> but it's something so simple as like, just switch out what you're having for breakfast. You're making your breakfast anyway, just make something different. And, um, I was really surprised because so that's like one small example as to how looking at your habits and knowing your own individual constitution and knowing your, your own individual tendencies, how you can really tailor what you're doing on a daily basis to just kind of live the best, the best life you can.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. Okay. Keep going with your story of getting into yoga and therapy and
1: where we left off when I stopped you for a second. (laughs) (laughs) So um, my asthma was kind of the main reason my mom brought me into yoga. And then my sister and I are very close in age. So if I started something or she started something, we usually did it together. And so (laughs) it was like, I was starting yoga. So my sister was starting yoga. Um, But we both, I mean, we both enjoyed it. And I think as I got older, I started to lose touch a little bit with some of the deeper elements of yoga. It was like kind of easy to understand actually when I was younger, um, the goal of yoga being able, uh, the goal of yoga being meditation and being able to have sustained attention and focus and some tools that you can do to help yourself get there. And then as I went to high school and college my mom always said, like, don't forget to do your practice or do your yoga if you feel like this, or do your, do your yoga if you feel like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was something like you, you know, you have this, you know, you have it all the time, so you just kind of take it for granted. And what went from like maybe a week of not doing yoga went to like months, and I would somehow jump back in it and jump back out, but I wasn't very consistent. Um, it was really like a feeling of, and I think we probably feel this way as adults too of. It's easy not to do the things you need to do when you feel good. Totally. Because you feel good. Yeah. You're like, like, ah, I don't have to I don't have to take my vitamins, like I feel fine, you know? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we feel sick or we feel not good and everything is done in a very reactive way. And I think that really mimics the culture most of us were brought up in, like living in the US. Our medical system is, you know, really similar and it's changing, but it's very similar in that way. you know, relaxing. my husband, my husband's a physician and he's amazing and he definitely believes and respects preventive medicine and tries to implement that as much as he can. But even he says, you know, like we, I have my limitations, like working in the medical system and there are things that like, you know, we can't do because it costs too much money to run those tests. And if somebody shows up and they don't have the symptoms for, you know, say disease X or something like that. He's like, there's literally no reason and no justification I can give to offer those tests. So we were, we always talk about this and we say, you know, it's in Western medicine, um, how it's kind of been, this is a huge generalization. I know it's almost like you wait until something shows up and then you go in there and you try to do things to fix it. And then if it doesn't go away, you try something else. Then if it gets worse, you try something bigger. You know, until there's nothing you can do because it's progressed so badly. And the one reason I really respect and love Ayurveda is because there's a whole approach to um, treating something from the minute those, the minute um, the imbalance starts. And so there's all these stages of disease and different symptoms to look for and what's what how the symptoms can inform you about what stage of disease you're in what tools you're able to use depending on that stage. And so it's a really useful way of kind of looking at yourself and looking at life too, when you have certain obstacles and being able to see like, Oh, I woke up today and I, um, I'm feeling a little jittery instead of ignoring that symptom. I'm instead of ignoring it and drinking my coffee, I'm just going to make some tea. Yeah. Without caffeine, <laughs> as, yeah. as hard as that can be, right? So you pay attention more, and that attention informs other decisions in your yoga practices the same way. And every day is different. So, you know, not holding yourself to like any any criteria all the time because like within a few weeks those symptoms could change and just because you're in balance and just because you feel good doesn't mean you don't have any symptoms I just find that it's easier when you're feeling good or say you don't have anxiety or your depression feels better or your pain's gone down to like that's often the time where a lot of us are like let's go out or like let's do this let's do all the things I normally wouldn't do because I'm normally not feeling great and that's beautiful to be able to celebrate that and also like finding some balance there You know, like playing just enough that you don't end up back in a place where you have to like be managing it all the time. And I think your yoga practice is the same way. So
0: Yeah, totally. Oh, and I see this with entrepreneurs or creatives. Really, I mean, I see it with my clients too, even if they're not in a creative field of just like working, 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 and you like overwork yourself until you crash and then all of a sudden you're in burnout or you're extremely anxious or you develop an autoimmune disease. I mean, I could say all those things for me, which Mm -hmm. is like I also can see them happen to other people. And instead of changing and being like, how can I daily make choices to be more mindful so that, like you said, you can um, make interventions sooner and make small changes. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you help coach someone? So if you're doing like individual yoga therapy, like, and someone is used to that, crazy running lifestyle. Like what are some ways you come in and say, hey,
1: maybe we should like change it all? You know? <laughs> like how do you do that? <laughs> I um first I usually say if I have someone like that and I would say like right now probably half the people I work with I think everyone can relate to it. Probably half the people I work with are like directly dealing with that right now of like how to how to kind of just like be, you know? Um, instead of do and I know I struggle with that so when I usually say well I grew up in New York City so I can totally understand yeah <laughs> and I'm still unlearning a lot of those things and I also like I also really try to first approach it from a really positive way where really respecting and honoring like what makes them really special and how the way they've been doing things are, can actually be really useful when they're in balance instead of just being like, um, you know, a simple example, but you and I both know, not so simple is like coffee and mm-hmm. yeah. how like caffeine can have a lot of utility for certain people, you know, certain people, certain constitutions, like they could handle it really well. And it's probably really good for them to have it once in a while to get them started or to like get their minds moving. Um, the only problem is, it's like, it's such a slippery slope. So it's not to say all these things exist and we give them good or bad names, but really it's just like, how, how do we use them? Is it a part of my everyday And it's like literally the lens in which I see everything. Or is it like, I just like to have coffee like once in a while when I'm on vacation because I like trying new coffee shops. Okay. You know, if it's not like, if it's not your day to day and like you're, you're looking at what your relationship to whatever that it is, you know? So usually try to explain that first a little. So that way, I mean, they're usually coming to you because, like, something's out of balance, right? Um, some people might come and be like, I just want to learn. But most people, when they're coming to do one-on-one, it's a huge investment. Um, not just financially, but, like, your time. Your time yeah. And, and it's, time it's very to vulnerable do. to be with somebody one-on-one like that. You know, you're kind yeah. of just like, they can really, for both ways, teacher and student, but, like, you're really seeing each other. You know, in a class it takes a lot of courage to come to a yoga class too, but there's, um, you know, you can kind of like mind your business on your mat and like go through the whole class without like having been touched or adjusted or anything like that and really just have your experience. And though there is an energy exchange, I feel like one-on-one, and can be much more intense. So I usually try to start with just being like, why are you like, what, what motivated you to come here and like see versus like, what problems do you have? And like, why are right. you here? And like, what do you want to fix? Right. right. Cause we're, we can't fix anyone. So um, being
0: problem, problem focused yeah. all the yeah. time.
1: <laughs> um, and you know, I usually, any, any person who does yoga therapy will usually still ask all the questions of how's your sleep and how are your bowel movements and walk me through your day to day routine. But then one thing I've really learned in my trainings in the past from great teachers is just how to attentively listen with non-judgment, um, and you have to do a lot of personal work to really be able to do that. And there are days where I, I'm better able to do it than others, and that's more of a reflection of like my own state it has nothing really to do with them. Um, and then the other thing I, um, I usually approach it with that most yoga teachers will. Probably already know, or people working one on one will is like, you focus on the low hanging fruit. And so you get a decent assessment of like what's going on, or however much they're comfortable telling you on their first or second Mm -hmm. session. And then you also pay attention to like how they're telling you it and what are their main symptoms, like what's really affecting the day to day life. Like, why are they here today? Why are they not like somewhere else? Why didn't they just go to a class and why did they choose to see you? And so for a lot of people, um, one of the main things I usually approach first is sleep. But for some people, their sleep might be so off, but there are all these other things that are there too. And their sleep is just, it's too hard of a battle for them to pick right now. The so sleep battle? Yeah. You yeah. know, um, it might maybe their main thing is like uh, building some creativity into their life instead. And we start there. And then maybe that adjusts their routine a little bit, and then their sleep improves. You know, for example, so you have all these things, but you find out, like, what's the easiest access point to get them to um, move in the direction they really want to go in? And so it's just kind of different person to person, and it doesn't always reveal itself in the beginning, too. You might be like, oh, the low-hanging fruit is I want them to... um, you know, stop drinking like ice water. And I want them to drink like warm and room temperature water. And you think that's a low hanging fruit based on what they're telling you. And the next week they come and they're like, I-, I can't do it. It's making me crazy. It's so hard. And okay. So let's pick something else. Let's pick something where they're going to feel, um, they, and you feel like a more success with, and they feel like they, they feel success. And then like it gravitates them to like actually do their practice. So
0: totally. Yeah. yeah. And that is that I've, I just like feel that inside me too, of different times I've been like, I waited until I got really sick <laughs> or it was really stressed, and then was then some doctors like, stop eating all these foods and like sleep more and drink a 100- hundred. Just do the map diet. The, and you're like, yeah, Why? <laughs> now you gotta be keto and you gotta drink all this water. I remember drinking water was so hard for me as a kid. I like still is really. but like finding one like an entry point of like, here's something I can do moving you forward that is yeah so smart to think about it that way
1: yeah I mean and um I didn't come up with it my teachers told me and their teachers told them so (laughs) I'm just grateful for being surrounded by um really like intelligent people that can really see the person as a whole person and so it's been really useful to come at it from that perspective but really like it's useful like for me you know um like this past week, I haven't been feeling like that great, but I've also been going to sleep later. And I've just noticed that my nighttime routine was a little off. And instead of, you know, there's some weeks where I'll sort of have like the internal, like yelling at yourself, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, don't watch the great British baking show. Like go to sleep, you know, like, come on. So good. Or, yeah, it's so good. Um, they're all so sweet to each other. I know. Like, how are y'all so nice? I know. Um, and so it's like, I, some, there's some weeks where there's more judgment and, um, I just try to, I just try to like look at it and observe it versus, um, forcing myself to be really rigid and like, no, you have to do your whole like 19 routine, you know? Um, I feel like that's been it's been just been a useful approach for myself. It's like okay, I've been feeling this way. Let me like get a look at the whole picture. Like what have I been doing in the morning? How have I been like transitioning in and out of classes or with my yoga foster job? Um Have I, like, made time to, like, talk to my family? Have I been talking to my family too much? Like, have I just been on the phone the whole time? Was I, like, doing a million things while I was driving? Just sort of, like, looking at, like, my day-to-day and then, like, seeing, like, okay, out of all of those things that are maybe not my usual, like, what's one that I could probably do a little bit less of next week? And, like, the easiest one for me is, like, don't watch TV before bed. Um, So instead of being, like, okay, I'm just not going to do anything, I'm going to make it more realistic and be like i'm just going to read this ayurveda book i really love it's like it has all these recipes and i'm just going to do that and so i'm i still feel like there it's like it's like a step by step approach versus like what you were saying and it's really hard sometimes you go to doctors and they're like okay now do all these things and my ayurveda teacher told me it's like a rubber band you know and if you stretch it too far too quickly you just bounce back right back to where you were and you sometimes feel worse cuz you're like well i tried to do all of these things so instead of like instead of trying to tackle everything, which is often how a lot of us are approaching life anyway, we try to change that pattern by finding whatever the low-hanging fruit is. So.
0: I love that. Well, and that's I'm really interested and passionate about that when it comes to people running their businesses too, or being like creative because because, yeah, like if your business starts struggling, you might pour everything into yeah. where you think the problem is, and a lot of times it's some of these more like personal, like um, personal things that we have to deal with on like a health level or a sleep level. Or mm-hmm. like, did you take a walk today? Or like, <laughs> have you gotten out of your house and seen friends in a week? Like sometimes those things are enough to spark the inspiration again and the motivation mm-hmm. to be doing. What you're really wanting to be doing, I just—it's so the whole holistic picture, I think, is so important for everyone, but especially like if you're trying to
1: do something creative, right? <laughs> one one thing um, I was reading in that book, The Artist's Way. I love that book so I'm much. I'm sure you've read yeah, it like a million times. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't totally dove in yet. Um, but one of the things I was reading was that I thought was so linked to like getting a whole picture was one of the tools for boosting creativity is being like is um, reading deprivation. And I saw that title and I'm like, what I don't want to read is, shouldn't I read as much as I possibly can, right? Again, that same pattern of like, let me just do it all and then the answers will come, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And um, the author was just writing like, if you're feeling like really burnt out or feeling like you have nothing creative to offer and things aren't coming to mind don't read they're like you only have a basically like you only have a certain amount of energy every day you can give to reading and so if one of them is on your phone and you're reading like let's say not even Facebook say so you're just like reading like your news sites you're basically giving away time reading like reading time and taking in information taking up space that could be going to something creative and there is a piece of me that's like well I don't also want to just like tune out the world because I want to care about what's happening but it's also like, again, what's your relationship with that? Am I like avoiding like what I've, I've been trying to like um, practice music more lately? Because I, uh, I sing mostly like Indian classical music, but I love other that. kinds of music too, which is so fun. And there's been such a big creative block there because I've just noticed I'm like, well, I'm sort of just giving all that energy away. And by the time the end of the day comes, I don't feel like I have the confidence or the energy to like really dive into that. Um, and then I thought, I'm like, wow, how many years have I actually been doing that for? And it's—is it really maybe like an avoidance technique, you know? Um, so anyway, that was—I thought that was really interesting of looking at all the things you're doing, not in a critical or judgmental way, like I shouldn't be doing those things, but like more from a curiosity, like curiosity perspective. Like it's so interesting. The last few weeks, like this is something that I've been gravitating toward all the time. How has it been helping? Has it not? Instead of taking it away completely, can I adjust it in a way so I'm still doing whatever that thing is, you know, like watching TV, but it's not my daily activity and it's not the only way I know how to wind down.
0: Yeah, totally. Those are such great questions to ask. Okay, so I'm going to switch gears really fast because I want to hear about how you and Ani met, how you fell in love. So like, I just love your story and the story of like planning multiple weddings and like (laughs) things going awry and uh, I don't know I would just love to hear how how you guys connected and um and some of your personal story
1: um so we met back in 2011 maybe early 2011 at an Indian music class (laughs) that's amazing yeah and um I had been a part of this school um with my gurus since maybe 2004 so I was like I was young and he, uh, he had just moved to New York for his medical rotations after finishing medical school in the Caribbean. So he is actually from Memphis. And so he was living in New York with a few of his friends doing rotations. And he had started taking this music class in Manhattan. He says now it was a way to meet girls. Um, <laughs> but at the time, at the time, I'm going to choose a story he told me then. Um, at the time, uh, he was he just like really wanted a way to decompress from med school, which I think is awesome because I don't meet enough medical students that are making those efforts. I think largely because it's not um, built in to the system, you know, and so totally. it's like not the culture as much. So, <clears throat> for him to make that time, I, I immediately was like, oh, he's pretty cool, you know? Yeah. To make time for extracurriculars. Yeah, totally. So I met him there and I wasn't particularly like we, it's not like we met and we were like, oh, we're in love. I was just like, okay there's like this person in class, he seems like fine, you know? Um, And we weren't we weren't really like friends in the beginning, we were just like friendly we were the only two who were the same age in class and so we'd walk out of class occasionally and like walk, you know, walk out together and like separate at the subway and just small talk mostly. And I, at the time, was um, working for AmeriCorps for a nonprofit called City Year, and I was working in, a, in eighth grade, in a middle school, but more specifically eighth grade. And it was a team of 10 of us in the school, and we were all working with either math or English and language arts. Some were in sixth grade, some were seventh grade. And so I was working in eighth grade classroom all year, which was super intense and one of the best things I've ever done. But the schedule was really rough. It was like 6.30 in the morning to like 6 p.m. at night, 7 p.m. at night. Um, That's really all I was doing at the time, so it was actually really hard to make my. I'm sorry. Okay. It was actually really challenging to make my regular music class that had been like my Thursday night routine for like seven years at that point. So I felt like, well, I really need to make a class no matter what every week to keep on my practice and to have that routine. And so I asked my my guruji like, what other classes can I go to? And She's like, oh, there's a beginners class in Manhattan right now, which was much closer to the school I was working at. So I said, she's like, just go like, you know, you'll get you'll get some good review and it it should be really fun. And I said, okay. so I just started going there and to the uh, to the beginners class. And that's how we, we ended up meeting. It was really just by chance that I had the willpower, honestly, to be like, okay, no matter how crazy my life is right now, this, this is my tether and I need to kind of do this no matter what. And yeah. I could have just as easily been like, okay, well, I'm just going to get back to my class and my practice like whenever. And it could have just as easily fallen off the radar for the year. Um, and there are years where that has happened. But something in me was like, this, is, this and my yoga practice are the only two things and my parents, like keeping me somewhat leveled. In this like really crazy job, so yes. I mean I think that willpower like all the time because I I don't totally. I would have eventually met him somewhere if he continued classes, but maybe not. So we met there, and um, long story short, several months later, our our um, our Agriji, who was teaching that class, had us um, organize a performance, and so there were maybe five or six of us, and she would she had a sense that he was either crushing on me or there was like some connection that had potential to brew. She knew something I didn't know basically. And so she would seat us next to each other. It was very like, Oh, that's really cute. It's very like fifth grade. <laughs> and when I say fifth grade, I never had that romantic experience in fifth grade, but I imagine right. some people have
0: like, you <laughs> um, guys pair up for the group assignment.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I didn't, I was not allowed to talk to boys in fifth grade, but um, I imagine that's what it would be like for some people. So she would seat us next to each other. um, Yeah. And that, and so we, I mean, naturally became closer because we were connecting in this really intimate way through music and we were also spending a lot of time together. Sometimes we had rehearsals like three days a week. And so I would see him a lot and um, we did our performance several months later and we were like we were like semi friends at that point. We hadn't really hung out outside of music class, but we had um we knew each other like well enough, you know? Well enough that one time I was going on a date after one of our rehearsals and I was I I was always like look like a mess whenever I went to class, you know? Just yeah. I like never made any effort. And so I walked in with like boots, back when like boots up to like your Oh, yeah. like, These were like at least I thought they were cool. They have high heels on the bottom. They had like low heels, but yeah. they were like the black boots. I had that Ooh. and I had like a dress on. And yeah. <laughs> I had my contacts in. It was like the oh, whole dang. thing. Yeah. Which was a huge difference from how I would normally show up. So I walk in, everyone was like, Oh my God, look, you're so dressed up. Do you have a date? And I I answered actually like, Yeah, I do. They're like, Oh, like they didn't weren't expecting like a yes or any response. And I saw him just kind of like park up in a seat in a very like I don't, I don't know if it was, like, annoyed, but, like, I'm paying attention, like, to what you're about to say. And so that was the first time I was like, that's interesting. Okay. Then we had our performance, like, a week or two later <laughs> after, uh, which, was, which was great. Um, and we actually drove there together. I borrowed my parents' car, and we drove to New Jersey together. Um, And I was so nervous about this performance. One of the girls dropped out at the last minute and she was actually the best singer out of the three of us. So we were very
0: nervous.
1: (laughs) And and so on the way there, um, yeah, this is back when I was not managing my anxiety very well. (laughs) I was just like freaking out the whole drive (laughs) and we like stopped for Taco Bell and I had all these Indian clothes on and he was just like so calm and very like, it's fine. Like you guys are going to do great, you know? Um, and he wasn't trying to like fix anything really, you know, he was just like, it's cool, you know? And that's really actually the, he doesn't know this, but that was like the first time I was like kind of interested. I was like, oh, this is very different from any experience I've had with a guy up till now, (laughs) you know, not trying to go in there and like control everything, but actually somehow still being a support. Um, we went out for dinner maybe a week or two after our recital just to like as friends. I'm like we have like never hung out and he was going to India for a few months or somewhere for a few months and he we went out and we ended up like having this great time and debate is still up if that was a really our first date or not but it was supposed to be coffee and turned into dinner. And yeah, like a first date to me. I, know, I know you're on his <laughs> side. He, he, I I always joke with him saying like you talked about your ex girlfriend a bunch. Like that makes it not a first date. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> not in like I mean his ex girlfriend's great. It wasn't in like any real negative way, but he was just like talking about his relationship with her, and I was kind of like, who does that on a first date? <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of people actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure. I, I, I'm sure that's true. You know. um, yeah, and so, and then I had we I had left for the summer for an internship in Geneva at the UN. So I was gone for That's several so months. cool. And then just um, put that in. Just put that in. <laughs> I was gone for an internship while I was in grad school, and so um, at this point we had hung out a few more times. He basically told me he liked me, and I turned him down. And I was just like, I'm not ready for anything like that. But really, that wasn't really true. I just like didn't know how to handle somebody so like calmly and collectedly telling me, like, this is just how I feel. I just want to know what you think without, like, any pressure. And I was like, like, wait, what? And I was like, no, no, definitely not. And I'm like, wait, I don't. It's like I was reacting to, like, sirens, and it was just, like, grasshoppers. Totally. (laughs) Um, Again, anxiety. And um, he was very, you know, he didn't express it, but later on, he told me he was, like, very upset and, you know, this and that. But he, like, played the game really well, I guess. Um, it's in his constitution and mine, like balance other out really well, because I'm the one who's like, let's come up with all the ideas and like, let's like explore and do all of these things. And it's not that he's not like that, but he's much more like the, like the earth energy, you know, he's like, yeah, let's do those things. But like, it's okay to like sit on the couch and like relax for a couple hours and having someone in your life doesn't have to be like a significant other, but a sibling or like a friend or having that energy, like, like also like going back to like having your own business, like circling yourself around with, like, people who are not all, like, just like you, I think is so important. um, Yeah, definitely. For keeping, one being, like, staying, like, just aware of yourself, but also just, like, yeah, having those different energies keeps you aware, you know, because if somebody's basically not just agreeing with you all the time and it's like, yeah, you should take on all of those projects this weekend. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you should totally do it. They're basically just saying what your inner voice is saying, right? And um, versus someone being, like, they're not like telling you not to like follow your dreams, but they're also like, you know, your your value is not just by like what you're doing for your work, you know. And he's very much like that, which is great. Cause yeah, that's I don't such think a I was.
0: Energy. I was not
1: conditioned to think think like that, you know. Yeah. And so when I um, when we eventually got together, I was in Geneva. We we weren't dating this point, but we were like friends now. He basically told me like I turned him down. He just like took it off the table, and then we just kind of hung out. And he never brought it up again. And I was like, wow, this guy's like really cool. You know, I don't I don't know. Is it because he's not from New York? Like I'm not sure what this is. And when um, he graduated from med school, and I was in Geneva, and I was going to Geneva, and he just messaged me saying like Hey, I'm gonna be in Europe for like a week or two visiting my friends in the UK, and then I'm going to Kenya." I have these couple of days in my itineraries or anywhere else you recommend me going. And somehow it was the two days that I was one landing in Geneva and then had a day off before I started my internship at the UN. It just happened to be that. And it's still a mystery as That's to how that. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, he's always like, he's like. Did he plan it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I asked him. I'm like, there's no way. Like, there's like, how did that work? There's no way. Like, you didn't know anyone in my life at that point who would have had that information. Like, I'm still, like, conspiracy theorying about it. So it's something about, like, that, you know, that sense of fate or, like, right timing. And when I heard that, I was like, "Oh, like maybe this is something I need to pay attention to." He just showed. I was like, "Yeah, you should come visit me in Geneva." you <laughs> should. We'll hang out for and a couple of days. And he just to Geneva to hang out. And he literally showed up at the airport and. Um, oh my gosh. And like, helped me get to my apartment, which. You know, it was great because I, I have so many food allergies, so I pack so much food. And so there was, you know, you pack more sometimes and then you actually can't, like, carry your bags. It's, like, one of those things. Oh, yeah. And I so definitely he, do that. <laughs> he, like, helped me bring all of my stuff, helped me unpack. And um, kind of the, after that, we he went, he went to Kenya and we sort of just said, like, let's see what happens when we're back in town. And um, the rest is history. He's like, as long as you, he's like, will you just go to dinner with me once when you get back? And I was like, okay. We've been together ever since. That's our long That's but sweet story. No,
0: I love your story.
1: Yeah. Does um does he practice yoga as well? He does. Um he actually, like a lot of um South Asian friends I have, like they were exposed to yoga as kids with their parents, like doing maybe sun salutations every morning or pranayama, like or breathing practices. But it was more just like when he was younger and he didn't really connect to it in adulthood. So he wasn't when we first started dating and then when i got when i started to like get in touch with with my anxiety and i started to have like it was really severe it's probably the only time it was ever that severe i was like so freaked out cuz i'm like all the judgment right like oh i'm a yoga teacher and or i've been doing yoga for so long like why is this happening to me and um which, of course, you know, as we all know, just, like, makes it worse. And so... Oh, yeah. There was all you this... Like lean into the curve. Yeah. It's just like, let me just make this worse <laughs> by... this worse. Criticizing myself on yeah, why it's so bad. Yeah, totally. But honestly, what didn't help is I felt like there were... I didn't realize how much judgment... I mean, I guess I knew, but I didn't really experience how much judgment there was around, like, mental health, even in people who are, like, so open, seemingly, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, and I'm sure I have some of those biases, too. And so, you know, I would share it with some, some, mm-hmm. fa- some, family, some family, family family members, members or things that. It like it that. It and really there would be a lot of. of like, oh, but you should know how to deal with this better. Hmm. You know, I'm surprised. And actually my husband said that to me once and he will never say it again. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> we had a big conversation, <laughs> yeah. a conversation about it. And actually I'm glad he said it because it made me, it, it kind of just said out loud, like what I was telling myself all the time. And it's like, I can tell you like, don't judge me and don't say that, but I also need to be telling myself that, you know? Definitely. And so um, we, when that first started to happen, it was maybe like five years ago, I started getting um, more regular with going to actually yoga class. At that point, I would maybe practice at home, but it's like I said, it's like you feel fine or you don't notice anything, and so you like lose your practice. And then all of a sudden that happened, and for the first time in my life, I had like a regular mindfulness and meditation practice, even for five minutes every day, And, um, I would go to like this favorite, like my favorite, like $5 yoga studio near where we lived. And that was, I mean, it was such a useful experience to be like, oh, when you actually are consistent with something, it's a cumulative effect and it goes both ways. You know, if you're taking on a lot with your business without awareness of like what your personal limitations are, and that can change like with phases of life, you know, without paying attention to that your body will respond sooner or later in some way, right? And you can only ignore it so much to where it starts to disrupt your life. And that's definitely what happened to me. Um, But then actually for the first time, really getting back into a regular practice since I was a kid um, just helped me realize that. I'm like, oh, but if I actually do these five minutes of just mindfulness meditation every morning, that has a cumulative effect too. And if I start to do it every day or even three or four times a week, that adds up. And that starts to become my new pattern. And it just kind of layers on top of that anxious pattern that was there before. So I'm not actually trying to change myself or get rid of anything, but it's really just giving my body a new experience that it really hasn't had in a long time. So through that, Ani actually really got into yoga. He started coming with me to classes as like a support. And then he just got more interested in it. And now he he goes to a class every single week that's like a guy's only class that he loves. and That's he has awesome. like his he has his like own practice at home that he'll do not all the time, but he notices for himself. He's also really um, into acting, and so he notices for himself like when he's doing his practice, it actually really helps. Um, it really helps his like creative energy too. Like he has more room for it um, than when he's not yeah, doing his practice. So. Definitely,
0: I could see that. Just like kind of making space for that creativity. I always... I. I've been going to a yoga class once a week for two years awesome. now. And it's, like you said, with your music class, it's my, like, it's my anchor. Like, I have to go. I feel the anxiety creep in if I don't go. But, like, I feel like I can release all these negative emotions during it. And it's the only way I've been able to meditate. Like, I know some people can do an app and, like, get really quiet and I just like I don't think my brain I'm getting there I'm working there but like yoga helps me get into that mm. the meditative state but um but I'm I'm curious so for someone maybe who's never done yoga or wants to get into it is there a place you recommend people starting um in a way that is um like honoring to the, wow. the truth of the traditions and, the truth, and the history of yoga like how how, how, well, do how do you recommend people learn
1: more about it start practicing? Um I that's a great question. Um I usually feel like whatever really gets you to the mat is great. I'm not gonna say like practicing one way is necessarily better than another because everyone everyone is coming from different places and different points in their life. And you know there was, you know, there's a time where some of my clients like if I brought them, if we started our session, I brought them into a space where like, I just said, okay, now lie down and breathe. Like they would have a panic attack. It's just like not where they were. You know, you had to do a bunch of other things with your body before you could even get to that place. So I think whatever you gravitate toward, like pay attention to that. If it's a practice that's much more physically defined and that's what really interests you, then like do it, you know, um, but always just really looking at what the relationship to it is. And for me, for a long time, probably in my, like, teenage and mm-hmm. college years, I started to use my practice as a way to, like, make my body look, quote, unquote, better. Mm, um, and I yeah. lost touch with, like, all the—I was kind of like, yeah, I'll get the all the other benefits, like, whatever, it'll happen. But my motivation was very much, mm, like— To lose weight or to—not yeah, lose weight. Yeah, just, but, like, what, yeah, losing weight or— having abs or like whatever, you know, or like not looking a certain way or, you know, the list goes on that yeah. we could probably talk about. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And so I, I didn't see that. I was actually just with, um, a group earlier this morning called act like a girl, which is a great, um, group that Valley Forester runs. And it's with young girls, usually high school age. And it's all about like positive female friendships and positive, rela- positive relationship with your body. They're amazing. And I was there earlier today talking about my experience and my relationship with my body with them. And what was coming up for me was like, wow, I haven't really talked about this with like anyone. Like not to that extent. And that alone was like a little bit jarring, you know? Um, And so for me, there was a point where a physical practice, solely that, um, maybe some breathing, maybe some meditation, my relationship with it wasn't because I... Needed to bring something like positive and healthy in my life. I was telling myself that it was, but that really wasn't what it was, you know? Yeah. And so you can't always, you don't always have that correct perception when you're in it. You often don't, you know? And just, I would just tell people like, that's okay, you know? And if you, there's a a studio super close to you and, um, you know, their classes feel more like a workout and you're like, not sure, it's like, give it a try. You're going to have to try a few things to kind of see what fits you. There might be some classes that are restorative and like really relaxing and they do some meditation and that might be great for you or if you're just starting out it might make you insane cuz you're like we're yeah. not you're like I'm not doing it like you not are doing cardio, something cardio, cardio. but you might be in it being like I'm not doing anything and like that's also okay. You know there's a lot, lot of judgment out there about like you know finding the right quote-unquote yoga practice and I believe there is a right practice for each individual and I do believe that changes so um there a studio I teach at Liberation in 12 South I do feel like not only because I teach there but I do feel like that's one studio um in Nashville one of many but one studio that really respects and honors the tradition of where yoga came from and all the teachers there are really well-trained and also well-versed in adding that in into the classes to the to the extent that they're comfortable with. That doesn't mean the class is going to be in a different language necessarily, but there's a way that they thread in, like, these are why we do certain things. Or when we do this chant, like, this is what it means and this is why it's so helpful. Or why is it so important to actually breathe? And when you go to a class and your teacher's not telling you to breathe, like, how, um, how to notice like how that makes you feel after. So I really think the teachers there are amazing at doing that. Um, there are also like great resources online and which for some people works. And for some people, like we were saying is like, I don't, I don't it's think I ever, do I don't all. think I was ever able to do like a regular online practice, but, um, like do yoga with and yoga anytime are great ones that have really good teachers that you can sort based on like level and, um, what energetic effect are you looking for? Like, or do you need a 15-minute class to wake up before work? Or are you having a lot of trouble sleeping late? You need something to help with that. So those are good resources too. But overall, I would just say, like, try to go about it with um, as little judgment as you can because you're going to try something and it's just going to give you information and you are probably try a couple of other things and that's okay. So, I love that. I love
0: um, how open you are with your philosophy and just wanting people to feel very like they have a safe place in yoga and not like their body has to look a certain way or they have to have like certain specific i don't know i just i love that you're you're thinking in terms of of this is for everyone at different stages and you might find something that connects with you differently now versus later i
1: yeah i i and i I really resonate with that and I don't think I've always felt that way, but I think moving into yoga therapy has really pushed me to think beyond like what my body's just physically able to do. You know, like doing a handstand is super fun. I love doing them. Are they going to change my life? Like probably not, you know, are they still fun? Yes. Do I feel really great when I do them? And like, do I feel strong? Absolutely. But I haven't done a handstand in like a month and... I don't feel any less of a yogi because of it, you know? I hardly teach them in my classes. Um, some students will sometimes like stop coming because they feel like the class isn't quote-unquote hard enough. And I used to really struggle with that. I used to feel, I used to really like, and I still struggle with sometimes, but more so maybe like when I first started out teaching and when I first moved here too, I used to feel like I really needed to be accepted and i'm sure that for anyone running a business i and like especially if someone's hiring you for services i'm sure you can relate to that like wanting to totally. be accepted and want, wanting people to like what you're giving and one thing i um one thing i think is unique about yoga and maybe some other professions too that my teacher taught me is like you're not here to make people like you and you're not here to like entertain them and that really that's really stayed with me um, and some students might get offended by that, but it's not like I'm going to be unlikable in class. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But again, like what's my relationship with my teaching? Am I like teaching a class because I'm like, Oh, I think that's what they want. Even if I don't think that's what they need, but I think that's what they want. So I'm going to give them this super hard class where they do lots of arm balances. Even if that person has a shoulder injury, like it's fine. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm just going to do it. It's like, all that is great and it's fun. But at the end of the day, like the question is always like, Why? Like what are they really getting out of it? How is that really gonna help them in their day-to-day life? Or, is there anything from this class they can actually use? And if the answer is yes, then great. But a lot of times when we teach, you can find stuff in your class where the answer is like, mm, not really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that with having your own business and being an entrepreneur, we have that fluff all the time. You know, oh, in yeah. our stuff where, again, like we look, we look at the whole picture of like all the different things that we're doing. And sometimes it takes getting to a breaking point where we're like, okay, seriously, what am I doing right now? Let me, and then, and then, then we assess, and then we like kind of trim the fat a little bit, right? We take out these random odd jobs we're doing or these obligations we don't really need. So we can really focus on what we want. But I think a lot of getting to that is like releasing a lot of fear of like, well, if I transition my teaching into more of a, um, yoga yoga therapy, why are people still going to come to my class? Yeah. If people don't come to my class, am I still gonna make money? You know? Oh, totally. There's so <laughs> much
0: fear. You know? And I mean, even in I mean in any any profession, especially if you're teaching, you can feel peer pressure into like this is what I think people wanna learn. And so you go with that direction and just creating what you think people want instead of saying like but this is actually what I believe and actually think. I how you should photograph people, or right. <laughs> the inner work that you should put into being a good photographer, or being a um, yogi, or being a yoga teacher. Like, there's there's all this deeper stuff that that um, a lot of people gloss over because they're like, oh, people don't want to learn that. But then, how sad is that in the end when like yeah. you kind of skip the thing that is what you're really passionate about and what you think is actually going to really help people in the end. I agree. And I think, um,
1: I think a big part of that is like having those not so comfortable conversations, maybe with yourself first, you know, maybe it's only with yourself, but, or maybe with like, you know, bouncing it off some like of your colleagues who also do photography or like yoga teachers that I work with and having those conversations of like, how do we find the balance of giving people like a little bit of what they want? Because when I give people an individual practice, I always tell them, "I'm like, I want you to like your practice. I don't need them to necessarily like me, but I'm like, I want you to like your practice because if you don't like it or if you don't enjoy doing it, you're not going to do it." Right. Totally. You know. Um. Yeah. And and so that me that that um that feeling doesn't always come through. It doesn't always like translate to them right away. But after they practice for a little bit, they usually get it. They're like, "Oh, actually, like." It doesn't feel that great when I'm laying on my back for so long. I thought it would, but it actually doesn't. Great. And the only way they can tell me that is because I know they're practicing. <laughs> Otherwise, that they, they would they would not have that information. So I'm always like, that's awesome. Like, give me more. Let me change it so it's something that really works for you. And then I balance that with like, okay, I don't want to just feed them something that's going to like give them perpetuate the same pattern they came here to try to work through, right? Um, and I'm always curious about that with photography because especially with wedding photography, because there's so much balance you have to do with like people's energy and clients and clients' families. And there's so Mm -hmm. much there and you want to make the client happy and you want them to have something that they love. And you as a professional also have insight into like what really works and like what doesn't work so much. And I'm just curious as to how you balance that with like giving them what they want, but also like, I'm going to do this too. And I know that it's something that, they'll be really happy about it at the end
0: oh totally well and I think it I think in any profession photography or or yoga or really anything like if someone's hiring you as the expert you're kind of having to walk them through and show them show them the best way because yeah I do like I want to know if people want certain shots or they have certain places at the venue they love the most but like I just am upfront about telling them like, if the lighting doesn't look good or you don't look good in that pose, like, I'm not going to take that photo, like, or, you know, and I don't say it in that way, but, like, more of a trust me that I am going to put you in a place that looks the best or find the light that looks the best, um, and I think that there, that trust relationship is so important in anything, and I'm sure especially in your yoga therapy, um, and so important in, like, what we do and, and with, uh, wedding photography is, like, if you don't trust me, this is not going to work. And so all the pieces that go into building that trust beforehand and all of the communication and all of the things that most people don't see that's happening behind the scenes to get to that to that place where, you know, everyone is, is excited about what's happening. And there's a great, um, I can't think of the word, but like everyone's coming together and, and working together.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, it's so similar. It yeah. really is. Um, I also, I guess for uh, like entrepreneurs or people like running their own business, whatever it might be with their, and and incorporating yoga practice, I think like what we talked about earlier is like, think about what your low hanging fruit is and that it's always really helpful to have an outside person, like a teacher, whether it's a class or a one-on-one to give some perspective. You know, sometimes when you're so close to something, you can't see that clearly but if you have a teacher or like someone to guide at least initially um i think it's really helpful and like one thing we talk about in yoga therapy a lot is you don't want your students to come up with their own practice <laughs> just like i feel like in photography it's like you don't necessarily want the bride and groom to just decide where all their shots are going to be right oh, because yeah. um and, and and the reason for that is That if someone's out of balance and they're coming to you and like something's going on that they really want to like work with and work through, when you're out of balance, like it's so easy for like to be gravitating to things that are making you more out of balance, especially if you're not like, especially if you're not incorporating a mindfulness practice or, um, I don't mean that in a critical way but like mm-hmm. if you're not staying connected in some way through a daily practice where you're really able to see those things it's so easy you know um like my smoothie scenario yeah. <laughs> I was feeling a certain you way and like would have changed and that. I was like always craving them you know even if they made me feel good or not I was like yes this is good I'm gonna keep doing this and I just crave them so much but the way I was feeling was like making me reach for those things and I just wasn't aware Whereas when you're more in balance, when those symptoms start to come up, you can see them and then like gravitate toward things that will like pacify them versus like push them more. And so lots of times when students come, um, to us for, for like this kind of, for this kind of instruction and insight, that's like a really big thing is like, at least initially, like you want them to like the practice and have some input on it as well, but you don't want them to go home and be like, okay, now like write a practice. Because if they're having, um, They have a really stressful life, and they're not having they're not having a lot of ease in managing it. Like their meditation object might be like uh, a really powerful waterfall, for example. And depending on your experience, that might be really soothing. But if you think about the quality of a really strong waterfall, I think of Cummins Falls Mm -hmm. in my mind. I love it. That it's like majestic, but it's so vast Mm -hmm. and it's so strong, and it's coming at you like a truck you know (laughs) he's like so powerful yeah it's beautiful and it's like and it's important to have things like that but yeah like you think of the quality of it and then that's what you're bringing in all the time when you practice and if what you want is to like slow down and have some calm maybe it's not a waterfall but maybe it's like a calm lake and sometimes it's hard to see that when you're in it so I would also recommend that is you know talking to a teacher or like reaching out for that kind of resource if that's something you're looking for
0: totally yeah I think there's so much value in having a mentor in a bunch of different areas of life but just because we do get so tunnel vision in what we're doing or what other people are doing around us or um like I I was just reading something about about money because i you know i read too many books i probably need to take a break too but they're they're like like don't listen to your broke-ass friends give you advice about money like it was kind of that thing like stop listening to what hasn't been working or what other people are doing that isn't working in any area of life and like listen to someone who's outside who has some more perspective and more experience
1: and can help give you the tools i totally agree (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you asked before about like some practices that people could implement if they're either coming back to their practice or they're starting something new and if you're like not ready to go to a class, which is completely fine, or if um the idea of even doing like yoga or some mindfulness at home like doesn't feel accessible or realistic, that's also okay. Some things that I do, I try to do every day, kind of no matter what, are when I wake up in the morning, if I don't write it down, at least th- at least think of like just a few things that I'm like super grateful for. Which sounds really cliche, but it's cliche because it works. Oh, I do the same
0: thing. Yeah. I think gratitude is so important. Yeah,
1: and you can write it down. Um, you know, it's really nice to wake up and kind of just like purge your thoughts, especially if you're like having a lot of stress and having really crazy dreams, which I can totally relate to. I had a Harry Potter theme one last night. Oh my gosh. Um, I had a, um, what was that scary Netflix
0: thing? The Hill, Haunting a Hill House. I had one of those dreams last night. I was oh like, God. what is
1: happening? <laughs> yeah. And like waking up and just like getting a pen and like bullet yeah, points, like, like whatever you what remember from heck? your dream. So it's like, basically you're not keeping that mental load. Yeah. Um, I recommend that. And yeah, just like a few things, like even if, like sometimes I just wake up and I was like, I am so glad I, I woke up today. You know, or I'm so glad that I've been sick and today I don't have a headache. Like even just like simple things that you could easily just like immediately like autopilot into your day without recognizing really helps like, again, like build those new patterns moving in a direction of having like more space and more clarity on like what you want to do. Um, So that's a, that's a pretty big one for me. And then I literally sit on the edge of my bed every morning and I circle out all of my joints. And I actually start with my eyes. So I just call it like 10 and 10. So I just like circle with my eyes in each direction. Then my neck. Do you actually touch your skin when you do that? I, mass- I also massage my face, yeah, with my fingers. You can do it with some oil or just like your hands. Um, but I'll usually massage like my jaw because that's I'll wake up sometimes and find that that's like really tense, especially if I had crazy dreams. Oh, yeah. You know, and like massaging your jaw and like letting your jaw drop and just <laughs> stimulating blood flow into your face. And then um, I'll circle my neck, shoulders, I'll do some like gentle twists and, um, and then I'll stand up and do a few hip circles, knee circles. Then I sit on the edge of my bed and I just practice breathing in and reaching my arms up high and then breathing out and folding forward over my legs. And I just do that five or six times as a way to check in with like, how's my body feeling this morning, which is such a big one. We like run through our whole day and like, don't pay attention to how our daily routine is affecting our body at all. So you wake up in the morning and you might notice, wow, my neck feels like really tight. Okay. Or when I stretch down, like I can feel like my back popping because it was so tight from sleep or I'm sore because I did the awesome workout yesterday or, you know, just like even small things like that. Um, You can pick a forward fold at the edge of your bed, or you can just like lay in your bed and like hug your knees to your chest, but some kind of gentle movement that stimulates blood flow and just like really guides you to just pay attention. So if you're noticing that your neck was really hurting and feeling really stiff this morning when you were stretching it out, think about like what you're going to do that day. Do you need to be editing photos all day at your computer? Um, Do you need to teach a bunch of classes or do you need to like do a lot of interviews? Thinking about what your activities are for the day and like where you can fit in like just like 30 seconds or a minute of time for like a quick walk or Maybe five or six deep breaths or some joint circles, like anything to just sort of reset your system. So you kind of do like a
0: body scan, like you're like Pretty much. Thinking you could think of it that way, yeah. Like yeah. what what feels off today? Where do I need to send extra love or compassion? <clears throat> yeah. That kind of thing. That
1: yeah. Kind of thing. And so for me, like lately it's been like upper back and neck. Mm-hmm. And I was like and so in the morning when I feel that I'm like I just think of it as like it's really interesting. I know that, um, I have to teach like four classes today. And so in between them, I'm gonna give myself a few minutes to just like de-link and decompress, you know. And so each day it changes and it allows yourself to also be, so, be more present versus like I have back pain and that's all I have and it bothers me all the time and that's it. And over identifying with it. Giving yourself some permission every day to have a little bit of that flexibility, no pun intended, but like <laughs> flexibility on like today is different and um, how can I approach it in that way, too? So I'm not constantly putting myself in this, like, rigid place of it has to be like this. It can't be any other way. And if I can't do it that way, I'm not going to do it at all. So right, Like,
0: letting the ego drive the boat the whole day of, like, here's my to-do list. We're going to do this no matter what. Instead of doing that, coming at it from a more grounded place of each day looking a little different. I love that. Thanks for, I'm so glad that you have come and been on my porch today, shared all your wisdom about mindfulness and how it can apply to our businesses. It's been so helpful and um, I can't wait to like bring you in to do some yoga therapy for for some classes or something. I just am so excited about what I you're doing. I love that. So thank you for being on my porch, Melissa, and I'm excited just for everyone to hear this. Thank you for having me. i